0: we
1: This is John. And this is Trav. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast. Your podcast of being uh, incredible conquerors, even though your culture hasn't changed in 1,500 years. Of <laughs> a Caesar. Actually, of K- Kaiser. Kaiser. Yes, as we learned in Fallout 3, actually Fallout New Vegas, Caesar is pro- actually pronounced Kaiser. Yeah, I mean, if the Romans want to use an S, they use an S. Yeah, this week we are talking about one of the fringeworthy races, the Pax Romana Universus, which is a uh, alternate Earth. Uh, that's right, John, alternate, right? Yes, it's an alternate Earth. Okay, it's an alternate Earth uh, where the Roman Empire uh, never set. You know, it's uh, just, it uh, has remained uh, in full force uh, from the, the uh, CE-0 all the way up to uh, about somewhere in the 1500s. And uh, we'll get into why that is and how it's cha- how the world is different than our own history. Because uh, John has done a lot of development for this, for the uh, Savage Worlds edition of Fringeworthy, and he's got a lot to tell us about it. It's true. Yeah. So they've got gunpowder, uh, which means that they have some basic uh, chemistry. They've got the printing press, which not only means that they uh, uh, understand they have, they have good paper making. They've got ink uh, making. They've got good mechanical, you know, uh, kind of work. Uh, they've got steel, which that, that's probably pretty early, anyways, uh, and. Uh, it, and but it's so they're basically as as advanced as anybody would have been in the 15th century. It's only in their social uh, their, their society, their social society uh, that you know, that would be questionable. Now, uh, I, I want to get back to, to uh, the the political side of it in a second. But let's drop down and, and do the final thing with the uh, attributes with the, from the D20 edition. Trav, what do you think of this?
2: what as far as the oh the the actual ability stat adjustments yeah okay let's see strength plus 1 con plus 2 yeah i would say that they were pretty hardy that you know they had to excuse me they they had to still do a lot of physical type labor and just movement and they walked through the cities and there were farmers and of course the soldiery so the strength and the con i see Yes. Intelligent. The mental stats? I disagree with the intelligence. Because if if these people had Renaissance and beginning Industrial Revolution tech, I would at the very least give it a straight modifier. Minus two? No. Well, this is, okay,
1: but Trav, you know about the D20 system. Yeah. All right, this is this is one of those classic things where if they give a bonus, then they have to give a negative. But the thing is, is that in the D20 system, because they it's, it's all uh, assuming that you're going to be using it for combat a lot more than other things, they they put a lot more emphasis on things like strength and con, so by having this plus three across those two stats means you have to have a lot of minuses on the intelligence, wisdom, and charisma unless you're going to do a level adjustment.
2: Yeah, uh, I would say the, as intelligence as far as they aren't as learned as modern day humans, okay going in that way, I'd give it to them. But, the fact that they had in uh, early industrial age technology and sciences, uh, anyways, wisdom? Well, I I mean, if they kept their society, well, it's, that's why. The lack of, uh, the relative lack of social sciences, I could see the wisdom on a fire. And, even more so for the charisma, because these people still were very uh, superstitious, distrustful, arrogant, ignorant, brutish, brut British. No, brutish. Yeah, I would see the the wisdom and charisma. Excuse me. The penalties would be justified.
1: Okay, and, but if you if you as a uh, as a GM or as players. Uh, if you didn't want to put those minuses, be uh, uh, which I, I, I again insisting that it's more because they wanted to counterbalance the strength and con to keep them at the, these guys as entry level zero level yeah. characters you could play right off. If you didn't want to do that, if you just wanted to say, hey, yeah, they're tougher because they live a more active lifestyle and because Romans uh, uh, honored physical prowess and such. Then you'd have to use instead a level adjustment of at least one to uh, to remove those minuses to intelligence, wisdom, and charisma.
2: I, I don't know. I would keep the wisdom and charisma ones because of their lack of their relative lack of social sciences as opposed to their physical and uh, mechanical. So. So you
1: think you think their intelligence should be higher because they do have all they are, they do this strong engineering streak.
2: Yeah, I would say make that intelligence a straight a straight three d six roll, and you still could keep it without a level adjustment.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I forget what exactly it takes to 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 qualify for a level adjustment. Yeah,
2: that that's all in um uh, blah, 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 savage species is where they. Did all that? How you could determine if a race would get a level adjustment? So okay,
1: all right, all right. So anyway, so we, we have that. All right. So moving back to the political arena. Now, this this is the uh, was it the Greeks or uh, uh, or the Romans were the big champions of democracy? Actually, both. I mean the Roman the Roman Senate was elected by all
0: the by property owning by well actually in Rome by the plebes who are. Which are the Roman citizens? You had to be a Roman citizen, you could vote for the senators. Now, this of course meant all the senators lived in Rome, and they were not representative of elsewhere. Which is something that I'm changing, because otherwise it becomes next to impossible. Yeah, you know, basically no represent, you know, no taxation without representation. This used as a term, but in traditional Rome, yeah, basically only Roman citizens, and by Roman citizens mean people who live in Rome, the city of Rome, could vote for senators. And they would put on big, you know, big, you know, gladiatorial combats and you know, and so forth to get the votes, uh, pass out free food, open the baths up, like you said, you know, basically.
2: Okay, so basically, these candidates—if you were a candidate for a Roman senator—you'd have to try to kick the butt of the other Romans. I doubt it would be obviously to, to the death, but even first blood. So, if I was a Roman citizen and I wanted to become a Roman senator. I'd have to go toe to toe with another guy to try to ensure my political victory.
0: No, you couldn't become a Roman senator, unless unless you went to you got into the military and you rose up to the rank of legate, which is the person in charge, basically a general of a legion. Okay. And then, if you were lucky, you got made a, a uh, imperator. Uh, uh, Legate, no, no, imp- yeah, Emperor legate, which means you are, you're being elevated as a, as a supreme commander. And then, and only then could you actually, you know, petition permission to run for Senate.
2: Okay. So all Senate, all senators in Rome were at one time part of the military.
1: That's correct. Hmm. All right, but I'm saying it's now the 15th century and they spread over a lot of areas. Are you saying that they're going to continue to have all the power confined in Rome and everything else is going to be a vassal state with no power at all except for its appointed governors? Is that what you're telling us?
2: Uh, I would think with the, um, and I'll use this term and I don't mean to slight anybody, the relatively retarded social sciences, yeah
0: probably yeah i mean yes but more people can become senators who aren't you know basically a lot more people can become be, be Roman citizens and not actually live in rome that's that'll be a change basically and this actually happened in, in in our timeline too a lot more people became Roman citizens toward the end of the roman empire basically because the romans needed, needed the people
1: and they also needed money and you could you could buy citizenship couldn't you
0: yes you could so, so yeah, so yes, so a lot, there's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of Britons who are Roman citizens because they bought their way in. So that's you know that's something to uh, consider. Uh, one important uh, so yeah, it, it's I would say you still have to go up the ranks of uh, the military, but one of the character one of the NPCs. In, the, in, uh, I, 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 in this game, where is he? Uh, let's see. Ah, oh, there he is. Titus Eustace Ethiopicus, legate of the um, 15th Legion, Ethiopia.
1: He's an Ethiopian, and he can become a senator. Ah, okay. Right. They, I mean, uh, there, there wasn't any uh, uh, racial impediments in their society. It really had to do with, you know, what have you done for the empire and how how wealthy you were. So, all right. Uh, I was just thinking that, you know, because they were so big and you had to have to give a reason for their stability. I thought maybe you might have gone with the idea that they might have had some additional regional senates where there could have been more senators, you know, kind of like maybe, you know, junior senators feeding into the Supreme Senate, but still running the area. Yeah, it's still fluid. I mean, I can change.
0: There's things I can change. I mean, that actually is a good suggestion. I've been th- and also was thinking along that line too, that perhaps senators you know can be from anywhere. So and basically, they represent wherever they they're from. So yes, uh, um, Eustace could you know if he becomes a senator, he's a senator from Ethiopia.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it was it, to me. It makes sense that you'd have a supreme senate down in Rome. Okay. But it doesn't. But it, it just seems like it'd be uh, they'd love the idea of handing off some of it to more, you know, to regionals to a, a regional sub um, administrative area, and then they would uh, administer their area while still providing lots and lots of, uh, of tribute back to Rome.
0: Yeah, and be honest, this you know this has gone through at least three rewrites, so it can it's going to go through some more, so that may actually <laughs> get added, and it actually makes sense too having regional. Maybe not senates because the Roman senators may get 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 up their nose about that, but uh, but you know local councils you know that aren't quite senates, but you know they have they have much more power over the local over the local provinces than they did before, and maybe the governor is now elected instead of appoint, appointed.
1: That would I think that would that would be I mean I don't mind the governor being appointed but I I definitely think there should be somebody over top of that is elected you know and then uh, again you, the if you really want to elect the supreme senate then you've got to travel to Rome and establish yourself there and be a, a Roman Roman you know and. I see. But nothing keeps you from doing that. It's not like someone says, well, you know, it's the Middle Ages and you're serfs and you're not allowed to leave, you know, your farm and go someplace. Unless you're a slave, that wasn't the case in Rome.
0: No, uh, yeah, oh, that's something uh, we were going to talk about slavery. I have to make, uh, there's a correction. In one of our prior, prior podcasts, I made mention that uh, children of slaves were not slaves. Unfortunately, that's from for my version of Rome. Uh, in reality, Romans loved children of slaves because they would, would bring them into the household and raise them with their children, so that when the kids got older, this, they were friends with their slaves that would run the household. So, children of slaves were slaves in the uh, tradition in our timeline. So, that's a correction from a, from our one podcast. So, I do apologize for that.
1: Okay. So, um, anyways, uh, let's. You know, let, let's let's keep the whole slavery question for the end because I know it's a big uh hot potato oh it's also a big issue considering who the first
0: emperor was
1: yeah which will, yeah, it, which would leave her last yeah <laughs> absolutely okay you guys have anything more on tech that you want to talk
0: about uh because there were you know one there are no bellmakers i mean yes they, yes there were bellmakers but they're not in the scale that we had in our time with with Christianity.
1: Because Christians love bells, is that what you're telling me?
0: There are a lot of some the biggest. They're the ones that perfected doing large scale uh, pours of, of things the size of a of a VW bug.
1: There are some bells. Are, there are some bells that are just absolutely huge. But there's even bigger bells over in Russia than that was the Eastern Orthodox. Yes, and these uh, all these folks
0: they, they they love bells They ring bells, and they not so much in Rome. Bells are more like something you hold in your hand and ring. They're not the giant bells that we have in Christianity. So there really was no bell makers for cannons. So the Romans were, but the Romans were not ignorant of casting. But they, they cast a lot of big metal statues. John, that's true. Uh, but making a a, a hollow one. Uh, like We got to also remember some of those statues weren't cast in intact. They were cast in pieces and then welded together. Okay. I mean uh, 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 that, uh, or like the Colossus of Rhodes, you know, uh, uh, riveted get r- riveted together. Okay. I mean, if you, most of those brass statues you might see or bronze statues you see in, in Italy, they're hollow, and the arms would come off really well if you if you if you they're not if they're not careful.
1: All right, so they didn't have these big bell makers, so they didn't know how to make large-scale castings. So what does that mean?
0: Well, the first cannons were, were more or less the, uh, the welded steel bar type uh, cannons. They would basically take steel bars around a form and then weld them together. Uh, initially, uh, uh, the, the Romans would toss in a little trick of, of, of then you know, put, you know, packing them in sand and then melting them. You know, just basically put them into a furnace and heat them up till they started melting, so they more or less
1: filled. You know, would solidify a lot better, a lot tighter. All right, so if let me see if I get if I get this image correct. Okay, you have a, a wooden form and you put metal bars, basically lengthwise along the form and a big circle around it. Okay, and you might weld them together to hold together. Then you take this whole thing, you stick it into a uh, a big container of sand, and then you stick that in in a in a big oven to melt the 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 metal bars so that they flow together. And that, and then you take everything apart, and you that's your cannon. Yeah, of course, it does have one problem. Of course, it doesn't have. it, It basically
0: it's open at both ends. So the Romans figured out how to make breech loading cannon, cannons because of the method the, their method of making cannons all roman both the Roman muskets and Roman cannons are breech loaders because that's how they you know they make the actually Roman uh, muskets they would cast solid, ar- solid iron bars and then drill them out with a, with, a, with a steel with a steel screw tip, which also means they are rifled yep. by accident yep. So mus- Roman muskets are actually much more accurate than our muskets but you know, because they're rifled. And they had the advantage of loading them through the breech instead of trying, to ra- 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 instead of ramming a bullet down the uh, barrel, a rifled barrel, which is really hard. Trust me, I tried that one time.
2: Okay, just for, for clarity, let's define rifling for those not necessarily familiar with firearms.
0: Yes. Early muskets were basically, uh, actually, uh, basically metal tubes. Uh, Smooth bores, so you know rifling allows bullets when the bullets fired, it, it spreads out a little bit and catches the grooves and starts spinning as it comes out. And depending on how many how many turns you have, uh, depends on how fast it spins. And the faster it spins,
2: farther it goes once it's shot out in the barrel.
1: Yeah. Yes. Well, it, it it keeps it keeps it from tumbling. Yes. Yes, it goes straighter because when a bullet starts tumbling, it starts slowing down due to air resistance.
2: Yeah, well, also a tumbling bullet, if it hits you, it tends to rip you up more, so...
1: Yeah, but if it, but if it doesn't reach you, it doesn't hurt you. Right,
2: yeah, exactly. And, just-
0: and considering these are lead bullets, they're going to rip you up anyway because they're going to just go flatten when they hit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, you know, the early early Roman bullets were round, which meant when they came out, they tended to spiral because round bullets tend to precess uh, when they come out because uh, they're not perfectly round. <laughs> So they they developed mini balls fairly early in their in their firearms career. So they and, and mini balls aren't actually ball shaped; they're bullet shaped.
1: You know, John, you keep using a lot of terms and say, "Oh, but they aren't that." <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. I, know, I know. but I know, They use round balls, but they didn't come out round. They use mini balls, which which look like bullets, <laughs> just...
0: like you know, traditional pointed bullets. Yeah. Also, because also you gotta remember that early early firearms in Europe were built by uh, a lot of it was built by watchmakers and lockmakers, which is why they are called wheel locks and flint locks. Romans didn't; they were made by artilleryists in the Roman army. So instead of actually having a wheel lock, they have basically spring steel um, bars that basically pull the flint across a striker and 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 fire off the round. It looks like a small. Crossbow at the back end of the of the gun, you know they pull it back, put the powder in, pull, cheek, fire, and it fires, and it you know it works just fine, but it's not a, it's a different design. Also, they don't shoot with the finger; they shoot with the thumb, just like a crossbow. Traditional crossbows, there was a lever on the back of of the crossbow that you push down to release to release the uh, the
1: bows um... the bowstring.
0: Yeah, the bowstring. Yeah. So, so Roman rifles don't have a trigger. They don't have a trigger. They have a a, a lever to fire them with.
2: Oh, that would. Oh, that would. Okay, I'm I'm running through D20 rules here. How that is, you would need to actually have an exotic weapon proficiency if you're you if you if you're an no 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 go with me here on this. If you are if you are a typical early 21st century firearm user, you pull the trigger with your index finger. If you're having to fire with your thumb, that's going to take time to do. Therefore, you're going to need an exotic uh, firearm proficiency. I can imagine
0: the first six times you grab the weapon, you fire it off by accident. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But, I mean, just normal soldiers and whatnot, even a trained soldier, he's going to be confused. How do you fire this thing? And It's going to take him time to do it. Because he doesn't know how to cock it. Yeah. Right. It's going to minus four proficiency penalty,
0: and you got to figure out how the breach works.
2: Yes, of all of that. Yes, so that would take a feat to learn to use that properly after a while. If not, minus four to hit.
0: It does. Ha- it does leak a little bit of gas, but no worse than a musket does. Yeah. So you know, it does. Sh- you know, you're going to have smoke. Cause it is black powder. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, so it's, and it's about as airtight as a, as a modern musket because muskets didn't, you know, tolerance of muskets aren't, weren't that great anyway. You know, because the bolts either were too, the bolt might be a little too small, maybe a little too big, you know, so you may get a really good shot. You may get a really poor shot. Just depends on how the rounds are made.
1: Now you mentioned uh, that uh, the Romans, being great engineers, they also did a lot with aqueducts. Now they've had they've had fifteen hundred years to uh, basically aqueduct themselves to, to you know until they're silly. So what's Europe looking like with that?
0: Oh, it, it's just crisscrossed with arches and so forth. Most of them. Thousands of years old, but all of them impeccably maintained because, well, Romans are engineers. Romans, especially the Roman legions, were engineers. And so every one of these sectors are impeccably maintained, repaired if anything's happened to them. And by now they're all sealed. Once they leave the reservoir or wherever the water source is, they're sealed. And there's no way of anything getting into them. At that point, so it's an entirely closed system all the way to where the destination
1: is. Would everybody have hot and cold running water then in their in their home domicile? If it's like Europe, uh, there's the, there's the common fountain.
0: There's the, all the various fountains for each neighborhood, because only the rich can afford actually afford to have water piped inside. So for most for most apartment blocks in most places, there's a common fountain you go and fill your pitchers up with.
1: Okay.
0: You know, and, that is, and that's standard for Europe. I mean, London had that sort of system up until like the uh, what? Uh, geez, middle of the eight of the nineteenth uh, uh, century. All right. You know, so it's it's a fairly common practice, and you know why change it? Okay. I mean, we are talking stagnant, so they will still have the public fountain, but you will be getting fresh, crystal clear water coming out of those pipes. Okay as a flow-through system, so what water isn't captured goes out, and you know keeps
1: the sewers clean. just it drains into the sewers Pat, first? First by going past all the public bathrooms. Right. Well, that would be good too. Okay. All right. So, speaking of uh, uh, keeping the sewers clean, uh, what happened to the Black Plague? Well, considering that,
0: that's good. You know, that's good. I never considered that. You know, I, thank you for mentioning that. So this think about this.
1: That's why we're doing this, John. <laughs> it's to it's to, it's to try to enlarge it for our listeners, but also to help us do our development. Well, the source of the Black P-
0: Plague came initially from the Silk Road. Uh, it basically, it followed the Silk Road into, into Europe.
1: My research said it initially came from uh, Egypt, but that's pretty close to the Silk Road, too.
0: Yeah, well, my research said it actually came from... Further, further, e- further east from the from India, okay. But anyway, yeah. It's, so it, it's the Silk Road's still there. I mean, uh, Rome is, is basically the Chin Empire uh, is is one of the major threats. Uh, India is a vassal state. It's too big and too populated to be easily conquered, but they're easily cowed and turned into a vassal state. So they're basically a buffer state. Uh, buffer states because it's not just one it's not Mon- monolithic it's not just one kingdom it's hundreds of kingdoms
1: right between the bulk of the uh, roman uh, empire and the chinese whatever they are
0: yeah rome doesn't go much past the urals because there's nothing past the urals that they they want so most of siberia and russia it's open land uh, that does mean, you know, places like Mongolia and stuff like that they're still active, so they still got to worry about those guys. Uh, but now they're but now they're being used as pawns against the against the other guys. So of course China will give the give the Mongols weapons, and then the Mongol and the Romans would give them gold, and this goes back and forth the, on that, playing each other offing each other.
1: Right, but uh, so but still, I mean, the Silk Road brought the plague. Yeah, and, and it probably and probably brings it again, but. Um,
0: did a lot of that depend on sanitation and cleanliness and a lot of things?
1: Not necessarily. I'm thinking that you know, this is Rome, this is Roman religion. How did they feel about cats? Mm.
2: Well, because we know it wasn't the rats that brought it, it was the fleas that brought the black plague,
1: right? But they killed, but they because of uh, because of the influence of Christianity, they did tend to think that the cats were uh, you know servants of the evil one and therefore they went around and killed a lot of cats to try to stop the plague but if the romans didn't feel that way about cats then the cats might have uh, nipped that in the bud yeah it probably and
0: it probably would because you know romans had all these granaries and they really hated rats and mice. So you know what? They probably had uh, ratters in terms of cats and dogs.
2: Out of necessity, they would have had the animals stalking the rats. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if it happened, it was just a mild little blip. It really wouldn't have been the been a plague, coupled with the, the the fact that everyone bathed, and people, you know, you know, the Romans you know, except for the very poor. Most of the Romans, you know, Rome, this, this Rome, this Rome has middle, even has a middle class. Even our, even our Rome had a middle class, and they were fairly well well off. And they didn't, they weren't dirty. They took regular, ba- they took rather bath. Re- they took regular baths. Uh, yeah, it would it would have been a minor blip. It would have been some consternation and lots of sacrifices to the various gods, but it wouldn't have been the devastating plague that that, that hit our Europe. You know, just because the fact the Romans were into taking baths, keeping
1: things clean, keeping the crap out of the streets as much as they can. But that also means that there wouldn't have been the Renaissance because uh, there wasn't that big die off, which then concentrated a lot of wealth in the remaining people. Yep. So that might also be a factor to their uh, malaise as far as development is concerned. I mean it says year equivalent fourteen hundred. I always wonder about that. Does it say, you know, it does is that their tech level equivalent? Or does that mean it's like it is the fourteen hundreds? You know, and it's it's that seems to be a very fluid concept. I usually take it as if it is the fourteen hundreds. But I always wonder about that, you know.
0: I am too, but I'm I am adjusting for the fact that they actually have better tech in terms of mechanical devices and so forth, because well, as we as we as we as we will say ad nauseum romans are engineer roman in, are engineers and they love to build things you know especially the especially people in charge they love to build
1: things uh, right oh so we know they still have trade going because if marco polo marco polo in the 1400s was was it the 1400s is when he brought over uh, gunpowder from on the Silk Road. So even though they have the India and the buffer states and China, they still have open trade. They're not like standing, you know, uh, uh, chest to chest against the, the Chinese and saying, just get back. We're not going to have anything to do with you. Even
0: in our Rome, they, the, there, are, there are people wearing Chinese silks. They were trading with, even our Romans were trading with the Chinese. So the Silk Road is an old road. It's been there for, for millennia. I mean, it, it had to go through India to get to China, but still, you know, even in our time, they, they were actually Roman embassies sent to China. None of them made it to it, but they got close uh, to Rome. In fact, there's, a, uh, there's one account I found that talks about the, uh, what may have been a Roman embassy that showed up in China, uh, somewhere around like 200 or 300 uh, AD. So yeah, but you know, that's something to consider. That yeah, there it probably would have been trade between China, even though they may not like each other, they like each other's money. <laughs> and there would have been trade with India. There would have been trade with the with the African kingdoms. You know, there's all there's several of these African kingdoms which are which are now being Romanized. Now, so, it's, 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 it's all this trade. Uh, I still have not decided whether or not they discovered the New World or not. Uh, this is the time they would discover it, though, if they, if they were going to. So, if, they're, if they did discover the new world, it's brand new, and they're just still trying to figure out how to exploit it. But they're going to do it Roman style, not the uh, way we did it. So, it, you know, more things to consider. That could even be a future adventure if people decide to take time and spend time in, on uh, a picture of Mount or Earth.
1: I mean, once they meet IDET and they start talking to them, they're going to get maps of the world. Oh, yeah. And they're going to see there's a whole continent over there they didn't know anything about.
2: Yeah, a whole hemisphere, yeah.
1: Yeah, at that point, I think they're going to mount a big, you know, naval expedition to mm-hmm. go there. So it's not going to be, you know, four little boats, you know, from a, 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 tra- a, a trading company, you know, uh, that, that was paid for by Queen Isabella. It's going to be a fleet, a <laughs> a Roman, Roman ships was
0: sailing into Ooh. Cuba equipped equipped with compasses because they bu- they'll buy them from my debt oh yeah so compass and, and yeah, accurate, all that stuff
1: yeah sure
0: inaccurate time pieces and you know hey heck you know several gall- several tons of, ga- of of fuel oil and mo- and motors <laughs> yeah I mean screw the wind we're,
1: we're gonna motor over there <laughs> yeah I mean they could uh they were fine with bringing lots and lots of oil with them they threw it at each other yeah
2: oh 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 wait a minute with how technology was they were at the beginning of the industrial revolution yeah imagine their navy
0: oh yeah i mean they're they're, they're traveling i mean they're they're not afraid to get out of the med they're 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 actually you know going up and down the at least the Atlant- along the Atlantic ocean and possibly Uh, As far as around the Cape of... uh, Is it Cape of Good Hope? Yeah, Cape of Good Hope up that way. But, you know, there's probably a Suez Canal, a Roman one.
2: Well, I mean, no, just if they were to come in, if they were to start going to North America, yeah, they wouldn't be having sailing, you know, like schooners and sailing ships. These would be steamships coming in and just chug, chug, chug.
1: Well, only if they actually developed the steam engine. I mean, they had the Steam engine, but...
2: Well, if IDET's going to be... Well, they had the plans for it, and once the IDET people look at their... Well, let's take a look here. Wait a minute, you got Steam tech already. Now, Is that what you call it? This is something just somebody made, you know couple hundred years ago. Well,
1: I'm I'm sure they had water tech, and I'm sure they had, you know, a a lot of things with hydraulics, but I don't know if they actually had the steam engine. Yeah. I agree, Trav, that I'm sure that once they learned about it, they would start implementing it. However, they already have a fleet, and and if it doesn't have the steam engine, it's going to be a sailing fleet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it's when it's used to getting away from the coast,
0: so they'll they'll have some ocean experience with that fleet.
2: Well, the thing is, with, with uh, naval navigation, from what I gather, until they made telescopes and, and sextants and whatnot, a lot of naval navigation, if you lost sight of the coastline, you were SOL. When uh, telescopes and sextants were created, that's when oversea navigation began. But John is
1: al- but John has already given us the answer to that Trav. His whole idea with the semaphores, all you got to do is have a signaling ship like 10 miles out and you can go another 10 miles out from there because you can see that ship. You can see that tower up there and you can send messages back and forth and you know where they are.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean
1: if you have an actual I mean it won't happen with a single ship. But, you know, with the Romans being the way they are with, with military action and working as a, as a big group like that, I could see them, you know, ha- mooring ships out 10 miles and, and using them as, as signal boys and to transmit messages back and forth. They wouldn't get across the ocean that way, but they could certainly, you know, not have to worry too much about losing sight of land.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah they'd end up getting out to, like, the Azores or something, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. If they're not out
0: to the Azores, then they, w- then they soon will be. I mean, I can, Im- I can imagine a semaphore boat, because this is actually based on actual uh, Nero built a boat that consisted of three triremes, then decked over. <laughs> so it was huge. So I can imagine something like that being used as the basis for the semaphore tower. You know, we're not gonna do a point. it's gonna be three triremes decked over, sails it up. We when we get out there, we'll erect the tower, you know, anchor, you know, try to anchor in place if you know, as best we can, and there it is. And, and well, also, the
1: first place they're gonna do that is the middle of the Mediterranean.
0: Yeah, Or as close as they can get to it. Now, unfortunately, the Mediterranean does drop off a bit. It does drop Fairly fast, so making an artificial island is not in the cards. No, but you could you could have a floating,
1: yeah, you know thing.
0: You can use drag. Yeah. you can use drag anchors, and basically you p- p- people will be keeping the thing in place. But yeah, it's probably deep enough that you won't be able to actually have your anchors on solid ground, so you have to use drag anchors. Uh, which keep you in place, sort of. Which means you got sail all the time, though, to get yourself back in position. But
1: yeah. well, as long, yeah, as long as you can see the land, yep. you know, then you can keep yourself in position by rowing and stuff like that. Yep, you know, yep, lots of slaves, but you know, that's what slaves are for. <laughs> but I mean, that that thing allows you know a lot a lot of coordination of of trade and stuff out, out there on the Mediterranean Sea, and maybe even, I mean, how far across is the Mediterranean Sea? Because I mean I know they could just head south and go over there and hit you know hit Africa. I just wondered if you know uh, uh, how how many ships it would take to be able to do that, and it would be easier because they are you know on they on water and it's flat you know then they could their, their semaphore towers would probably be even better more more efficient than when they're trying to take this over top of mountains. And valleys and everything. Yeah, I'm trying so. to. Find,
0: I'm trying to find the. Oh, okay. Um, doesn't say how wide it is.
1: Okay. But yeah. well, it's just a thought.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, if you look at, if you do look at the map of the Mediterranean, there's places where, I mean, like, okay, here's an obvious place. Um, oh, come on, thank you.
1: You know, by by having these semaphore type ships set out there and paid for by the the Commonwealth so to speak uh, of the Romans then every other ship that's out there would have a grid system that they could navigate by and know exactly how far they were from one place to another yep they could you know tell whether they were falling behind and and you know, uh, and they could give early war, and those semaphore towers could give early warnings of storms coming in to the coastlines and all kinds of stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. They could even light up at night and provide, uh, you know, you could uh, a lighthouse type situation. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about hitting
0: hitting a shoal someplace. You just simply navigate by the t- by the ships. Right. Uh, oh, it was actually there was something like that um, in our time. Light ships. You know, you hear this in some old movies? You, know, you know, they're going to light ship, light ship, you know, Bravo or something like that. That's what they were. They were navigation ships. They plunked out in the middle of the ocean for pilots, so they have something mm. to guide on.
1: Okay, I never heard of that okay. before. Yeah. Mm. All right. Okay, uh, let's go over and look at our little thing about how they felt about various things. All right. You know, uh, it, it's. Uh, uh, we got UNISS, and it says another Roma. So, do they? you think that's right? They thought about you know uh, uh, the United Nations as being another Roman Empire.
2: I would think so because it's like if 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 the IDent were to sit there and describe how the world that world government is. Yeah, the Pax Romana universe. Will go okay. You guys have united all your various nations together. You have one purpose. You've pretty much conquered your known world.
0: You have this humongous senate. Yes, called the i.e.
2: the general assembly. And yeah,
0: it? yeah. <laughs> you have a trium- You have a variation of the, of, the, of a uh, pro council in the form of the security council.
2: Council. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Oh no. They actually, in some respects, Rome would look and go. Man, you're living right.
0: (laughs) Well, okay, do the no duh because where does the structure come from? It came from the Romans.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know, and yeah, and IDet would look at the IDet the IDet members who were good in history. They look and just look at them and go, "Well, we had a good teacher." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so IDet say they would consider it an exploring legion. Yeah, they'd look and just say, you're this Eunice Empire's Legionnaires. Yep. That you came through this portal. That's all you are, yeah. I would see that as a very important um, analogy. That yeah.
0: actually is one of the things that, they, that happens in the scenarios. that basically when you, they get confronted by someone who actually is in charge, they so you show up in our kingdom bearing weapons, and we are not to treat you as though you are spies? Or invaders? It's that bit of Roman paranoia. I mean, when armed people show up, you know, wearing wearing, you know, trying to pass off as Romans, what's the first thing you to come to your mind? You're a spy. They would view him as definitely would view as legionnaires, if not spies.
2: Well, yeah, it's like, well, no, something a weapon like that, and let's say the IDET member were to demonstrate it. Oh no! There's no matter of stealth if you're sitting there firing an M16 or even an automatic, you know, like a um,
0: uh, AK47 or uh, or even the. Uh,
2: I'm talking even a handgun. A handgun. The power that that handgun can do against one of their little what did you call their version of flintlock, John?
0: Uh, it's called a ballista lock.
2: Okay. The 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 force that a ballista lock would hit against something like oh. A forty-five automatic pistol. There's no concept of stealth if you're trying to shoot somebody with a forty. Spies? No, they would be seen. You are soldiers. You are warriors. Yep. You mean to? If you're if you're going to play up this Roman paranoia, oh no, they're going to look at them. As far as we're concerned, you're the um, the invasion force for a much bigger army. And the the idet would have a lot of problem trying to convince. No, first and foremost, we are explorers.
0: That's really up to the players and how well they they uh, do the song and dance in that one.
2: Yeah. Then then the term then the the Pax Romana Universal will learn the term of gunboat diplomacy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah considering that the only port the only portal is the gate inside inside a cavern in, that's bordering on the river yeah they they basically they simply just sit, sit on the outside and just smile as they aim cannons down the, down the river mouth yeah yeah
2: <laughs> okay well let's see uh family important well yeah, for purposes of inheritance and titles and name yeah family would be very important to them they would you know. Mother, father, children, you know, they would probably even have an extended family. Yes, they probably have grandparents with them, and they might have three, four generations within a household. Oh, yes. Because they want that familial bond. They want to have tradition. They want to do the stuff that their grandparents did. Because they're mired in social sciences, they've stagnated they're going to want to keep those traditions going. That means you keep the old people around to make sure that you still remember the old traditions.
0: Yeah, family is important to all levels of the society. That includes includes slaves. I mean, you know, a child of a slave is, you know, technically he can't inherit from his parents, but he's still the child of, you know, he's still that person's child. This is yeah. This is actually that's he's just as, as as important to him. In fact, if he can get into the household, that much
1: better. And if you're a rich slave, as you say, they can be, then you're going to make sure that your children are placed in good households.
0: mm Hmm. Oh yeah. And while they can't inherit, you can make sure they inherit the business, if, especially if you're in charge of a business. Things you can do. I mean, when you know, you know, there's several, several people we know of in history. you know, from Roman history are slaves, but they're famous writers and authors and playwrights and so forth. And then they were slaves, you know, but we'll get into that that later.
2: (sighs) Okay. Well, let's see. Work for the empire. Yeah. Well, whatever job you do, you're doing it for the glory of the empire and the emperor. Yep. You're working for the good of the Kaiser, because if you're making a pot or you're doing, you're making something for a printing press, it's all to help out the empire in one way or another.
0: Now, this next one I completely disagree with, because if one thing Romans knew how to do was let their hair down and play.
2: Oh no! Well, hey, look, man. All you need to do is watch the movie Caligula, and you know the Romans knew how to party, man.
0: Oh yeah, card, uh, dice games. Uh, you know, you know, there's all sorts of various games. They played games a lot.
2: Okay, now a lot of you gamers probably saw this over the past couple years on Facebook. The story about the very, very old Etruscan D20. There you go. They had dice games. The D20 has been around for centuries, folks. This is not something that came out, you know, 15 years ago or whatever.
1: But not only that, but they had lots of games that had to do with grids and moving pegs around. I mean, they were invented back then. That's you know that, and they were very popular amongst the uh, leisure class because they had to do something, right?
2: Well, yeah, and even even the soldiers, if they were out and about, out on like a garrison, you weren't on guard all the time. You had to do something in your downtime. So yeah, the these Romans would have played. And I'm sure with how vibrant a society they were, yeah, they were socially stagnated, but those traditions were also so deeply ingrained that the, they, if their family traditions would have been mm-hmm. something, you know, ha- practically hardwired, so were those games. They knew how to do them well, oh, yeah. and they played out every variation that they could, let's say a peg game, they would have you know, oh let's try this let's do this, let's do this, but it still would have been within a very you know, what they knew, they wouldn't try new games, they would play the same ones and just play the daylights out of them
1: They were also big into circuses
2: Along with the bread, yes, that's the Roman Empire Their bread and circuses, yeah
1: and that wasn't just the gladiatorial combat. I mean, they also had chariot races. Chariot races. They had acrobats and troubadours of various kinds. They, you know, they, they had plays. The Greeks weren't the only ones that had plays and uh, and stuff. So,
2: okay, let's see. Uh, wealth earned. Well, yeah, you had to work your butt off in order to do something.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, e- even the, the, rich, the rich kids were expected to show themselves approved, or otherwise they get disinherited, right, John? Now, well, yes, now, but here's the interesting yeah. thing
0: about this. Most wealthy Romans never engaged in business directly. It was all through their slaves. Their slaves did their business for them. It was considered uncouth for a rich person to actually engage in business. It's sort of like the British— British nobility didn't want to engage in business. Roman Romans were certainly sort of like that way too, but they had inter- intermediaries to do the business for them. So yes, uh, you know, a wealthy Roman, uh, you know, live a life of leisure, and it leads up to his all his slaves to run the farm and take care of the business for him.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, let's see. Justice, Roman justice, that does not bode well. Doesn't sound good, does it?
0: It doesn't sound good, but Rome actually actually had had lots of very fair and sane laws. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the legal system came from the Roman legal system.
2: Well, if you're you're administering a a empire as big as it was, your legal system had better have been good. But
1: I, I don't think that they're going for that here. I think when they talk about Roman justice, they're talking about
2: harsh. Hammurabi's law, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth well, type. Well,
0: to be honest... Um, it would be along the line of, you know, if unless your crime is so heinous that it warrants death, you were made a slave. No prisons, you just lost your citizenship and you became a slave. Yeah. And usually, you're not going to be a good slave unless you have some really good, marketable skills you know, out going for you. You're going to be one of the worst, which is agricultural, who had the shortest lifespan about 35 years.
1: Yeah, I thought the shortest lifespan were the guys that pulled oars on those warships. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've watched Ben Hur. I have. I don't know about that, um, unfortunately.
0: Because well, no, because in some of the ships, those guys weren't slaves. They were. They were. They were warriors. And when, when they got within range, they put they they got the kid on and got and start fighting. So, uh, they for the most part they weren't slaves. Now, if you're talking a like merchant ship, uh, that may be different. Uh, but on the tri- war triremes, every, every on that ship was a soldier. On those on military triremes. Tri- so the, in galleys, they are all soldiers. There were no slaves in those. But on a merchant ship, um, they may have slaves that may all just be all sail. This really depends. But yeah. But definitely agricultural slaves didn't have the longest lifespan. Uh, they really worked hard. Uh, graves uh, Slave graves have shown the the autopsies in the bones. These guys show all signs of wear and tear, of moving heavy loads and stuff like that. They basically were living, human animals, basically, beasts of burden. They worked
1: them to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Bruce Sheffer saying, there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer
0: saying, keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in.
2: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun.
0: Yo, brothers. This was the tri tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction. No derivatives. And, sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at tri tech Games. And if you don't... We'll be after your sorry butts. Because we're some bad mothers.